This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you are listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today, we have Chris on from Beekeeper, and we're going to be talking about the digital transformation and the reemergence of the frontline workforce. Um, let's jump into it. Uh, Chris, if you don't mind, uh, give us a little background or introduce yourself and Beekeeper. Yes, for sure. Thank you very much for the invitation, William, and for having me here in the podcast. My name is Chris Grossman. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Beekeeper, the mobile collaboration platform for frontline workers. We specifically focus on this forgotten segment of the workforce that has been left behind when it comes to digitalization, technology, and as of today, still works mostly with pen and paper. And so recently you wrote a book and uh, it's the, the rise of the frontline worker. I want to ask you a little bit about a, you know, writing the book, why, why you decided to write the book, but also some of the factors that kind of led to what you believe are the, the rise. Yes, for sure. So in terms of why we wrote it, it's really, I would say a tribute and a summary of the last decade of working and devoting our efforts to bring beautiful and simple technology to the front line and all the learnings that we have had in terms of what are the most common pitfalls, what are the most common hurdles when it really comes to digitalization that we have encountered over, over the last decade. Um, and in terms of why the, the rise or what factors really brought up uh, this rise, I think the, the main the pandemic that we have experienced over the last 12, 14, 15 months and that has made two things. One of them is increase the awareness of how important the frontline workers are for our overall society. They're really this fabric that keep it going while everything else just stopped. Um, the so-called essential workers. And the other big point has been the topic of, I would say, in having them work under very rudimentary and precary conditions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the pandemic is exacerbated some of this, right? So it's kind of highlighted things that were already there, cracks that were already in the foundation of, of the, of the front line. Um, so specifically, what, what do you, where do you see is the, has it impacted, you know, industries in particular has the, has the pandemic kind of, crossed over and kind of really highlighted some of those those cracks for you? Yes. So I think in, there are different ways. One of the impacts that we have seen across different industries has been a massive acceleration in terms of putting more pressure on the system. These have been industries like logistics, essential retail, food manufacturing that simply had to continue to work during the pandemic and under even more pressure and higher demands. So this exposed many of the weaknesses of working with pen and paper, having rudimentary onboarding processes, having rudimentary communication systems, 
like bulletin board, paper, pen and paper, and so on. So I think this has been one of the big impacts that we have seen. The other one is more on the industries that were impacted the other way around, that basically right. slowed down, that went into hibernation. You, you can think of travel, airports, hotels, you know, restaurants, everybody that, that had to go through big furloughs. Um, there, I would say the, the big challenge was how do I stay in touch with my team? How do I keep up the morale? How do I even let them know when it's time to come back if I don't even have an email address that I can write them to? Um, so that was the other big uh, category of impact that we saw during this pandemic. It's interesting because, you know, we're, we're talking in a, in a way we're talking about how Frontline has distinct needs from from other types of industries or other types of workers there's very distinct needs and in and how can technology you know help and you know and enable uh those distinct needs you you went through a couple of them but let's let's mm -hmm. explore a couple of others because you know these the, you you mentioned probably five different industries uh just just in that just in that last question which i think is fascinating it's all the industries not all but a lot of the industries that were impacted you know the food food industry restaurant industry the hospitality retail mm -hmm. and retail was impacted in a different way you know in some ways it was harder to go to the store Yet, all of a sudden, now you've got another business model of delivery that then pops up. So Amazon, you know, uh, you know, a retailer of sorts, their business went through the roof, whereas some other retailers, you know, their businesses were really, really severely impacted because people couldn't go, couldn't go to the store, and, and they didn't have a delivery mechanism. So let's, if you don't mind, let's let's peel the onion of of some of those distinct needs that y'all you've seen both pre and, and during the pandemic and, and how technology can kind of help them with some of those distinct needs. Yes, for, for sure. Excellent point. Because I think the, the way we think about it and what we've learned over this uh, time is that the, the needs are so distinct and the rules of the game when bringing technology to the front line as opposed to bringing technology to, for example, their counterparts in an office, in a headquarter, desktop workers. We think about it as it's two different ball games. So it's playing basketball and playing baseball in the sense that there are very different rules and very different needs. So for example, when you think about the front line, they've never really been exposed to having to work very closely and intensely with technology during their job. So most of it has to do with pen and paper. Some of them have to work with really old interfaces from ERP systems to put in some data that they actually hate, but mostly they don't have access to most of the tools that are around, right? They don't even have a digital identity. So that's where the whole thing starts. It's not like you can set up a single sign-on and have everybody join because they don't have email addresses in most of the cases. Um, another big, big factor is a type of relationship with, between employee and employer, right? Um, what we find is that I would say there, there's a bit of a higher level of mistrust and mm -hmm. it's a more transactional type of relationship in the sense that I come, I do my job and then I leave and I don't care so much about the rest as long as I can do my job and get my paycheck at the end of the month, right? And this is uh, how it is historically. I think it has developed in this way. We find there are more and more uh, 
yeah, needs to engage with them, to bring them along when it comes to the strategy, when it comes to the vision and the purpose of the company. So this type of relationship certainly is starting, I would say, in the wrong foot, even though there's a lot of appetite to, to turn it around, so to speak, right? Um, and then last but not least, a big factor that plays here are labor laws, union dynamics, yep. and, and other factors that you simply don't have when bringing technology to, for example, desktop workers, right? So considering all of these things is, I would say, a, a delicate a field to navigate that requires just, a, I would say, an expert that can help you guide the, the deployment of technology onto these completely different game set. Mm-hmm. Funny because you know you've unpacked uh, you've unpacked something that I've even forgotten from from a hundred years ago when I worked in retail that it, it very much was an us versus them, mm-hmm. you know, uh, employee versus management or employee versus ownership type of mentality. But it also, um, crazily enough, it was also there was a team dynamic that was really interesting. Like you felt like you were a part of a team. And, it, and again, you, you might have had issues with management <laughs> or ownership, but you're still a part of a team. What, totally. what, do, what have you seen with, uh, as it relates to, you know, teams and especially, you know, we're, we're dealing with the, the topic of digital transformation, which, which, is, which is good, especially for these, in, these industries. It's, it's actually really, really important uh, to talk about that. But I know you're interacting, you know, with a lot of clients and and helping them. You're also kind of running into some of the there's the teams. People feel like they're a part of teams. How do you leverage that, or what do you see as some of the challenges of, of teams more effectively working together? Yes, totally. And I think you you touched on a on a very important dynamic also here that as you say the the frontline worker tends to be and likes to be very, very close to their most immediate team. They have a big sense of of community, of togetherness with them. While the further you go away from that uh, nucleus, the less interest there is from the frontline worker to know a lot about what's going on, right? Um, So in terms of your question of what challenges uh, do they face when it comes to connecting with their frontline teams, I think one of the, the the big challenges is, as I mentioned, these different needs lead to organizations simply having a big, big gap and disconnect when it comes to these frontline teams, right? There are information cascades that need to go on in one direction from the headquarter to the frontline team and the way back in order for them to know what's what's going on. I think there tends to be also a siloed view and there's, I would say, a, a need to get more of a holistic approach. So we find a lot of point solutions or attempts to solve these problems and these inefficiencies in, I would say, the, the best way at hand, which can be using some consumer apps or using texting technologies simply to get uh, the information across, right? Which just open up other type of, of issues from shadow IT, to non-compliance, to to this type of, I would say, more security risks. Mm-hmm. I love that. All right, let's so digital transfers, and that's a great answer, by the way, Chris. Um, again, digital transformation being our backdrop to uh, to these interest uh, to these industries and these these types of workers. What are the what are the barriers to op- uh, to adoption? Like how how do you believe and how do you guide HR? And even business leaders, you know, to overcome 
any of the barriers or setbacks or impediments or whatever that's there to uh, to to overcome those things so that they, they can fully digitize and transform their business. Yes, totally. So you, you mentioned HR departments, management teams, also operation teams. We see this type of digital transformation really as a team sport. And that's ah, one of nice. the, I would say, biggest barriers is to try to tackle it alone because it would lead to, right. again, some sort of siloed approach. A typical case would be internal communications wanting to replace the intranet because intranets have always been intranets and <laughs> there's not much uh, room there to to engage to really get the people together but one idea can be why don't we just create a mobile version of it and try to push it out so that we can put out some content right and what this creates is i would say a one-way street and a, a silo type of solution that for content might work and it might get kind of like the content across but it already blocks other type of applications and other type of use cases that are needed from other team players in this digital transformation. Because the next thing will be, well, if HR needs, for example, to have a workforce management system or a pay slip being sent to the frontline workers, well, why don't we also push an app out there for them? And if operations needs the same to have their processes, standard operating procedures, documentations doing the same way, then you start pushing more and more um, technology to the front end. And I think if there's one big learning over these 10 years is that complexity is a killer when it comes to frontline technology and digital transformation. So that's why it's important to really bring together these different functions, have one holistic approach. One can step, start always easy, step by step. It doesn't have to be a multi-year, super complex process. But it's important to have an orchestrated approach when it comes to bringing technology to the front line. So that's why HR, crucial role management, even more so, and the C-level totally needs to be behind so that uh, the adoption is really guaranteed from an organizational perspective. And then the other big side is when you put yourself in the shoes of the frontline worker and really taking them by the hand and explaining them what is the value for them? Why is this actually great also for them? And kind of like bridge and overcome this mistrust that can initially be there. But what we see over and over is that frontline workers are hungry for this type of change. They crave for it. And if one finds the right partner to actually do this type of changes, then uh, the, the impact on the whole organization and on the lives of the frontline workers can be incredible. I love that. Great answer. Now, now let's get into kind of the next layer of this because because you're already giving people great advice. So I want to go further into that because uh, you know digital digital transformation and organizational change is you know, you're doing it for a reason, right? I mean that's the whole your the purpose is to actually you're not just doing it for for giggles. You you're doing it for a reason, and and some of those are you know to improve efficiency, safety, and engagement. So, you know, I know you run into people, I wouldn't say naysayers, but maybe a people that are a bit reluctant uh, for this change. And that could be, you know, at the top or it could be somewhere in the middle. It doesn't really matter. Or maybe even the frontline workers themselves are, are a little reluctant to change. How do you, how do you get them over that? Because I mean, efficiency, it's great. It's, that's a great kind of a pillar of discussion. Safety, I mean, you know, it's really no counter argument to, to having a safety discussion. Uh, and, and, and again, 
engagement. You're doing this to make sure that that you have a better engagement with your employees. Hopefully you retain talent as well. Um, but when you deal with people that are reluctant, you know, in some way, shape or form, and whether or not they voice it explicitly or implicitly through their actions, how do you, Chris, how do you bring them over to your side? How do you, how do you kind of, <laughs> 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 you know, cause I know you, yeah. I, I know you deal with people that are reluctant uh, and I, totally. I, know you run, I know you run into this. How do yes. you, how do you make the yes. case? Cause again, efficiency, um, you know, safety and engagement, those are three great arguments that I know you could easily make, but also, also I want to dig into just how you, when you deal with reluctance, how you kind of help them and help them get, get over that hump. Totally, totally. And uh, I mean, as you correctly said, change is not a, a cup of tea for everybody. And it's very natural to have always some sort of concern, some sort of fear of change and so on. So the way we approach it is always one of our company values is be open. And we like to be open and put those type of difficult topics and concerns on the table, address them. For many of them, we will have great answers. For some of them, we might not, and we will figure it out together. But I think it's A, understanding where that concern is coming from. What we find is it's really important for this type of initiatives and digital transformation to tie it to some business value and business goals. And everybody can get more easily around business goals and how to facilitate getting to those business goals rather than just the fun of getting a new tool or a new thing on top of what we're already having to do, right? So really getting back to how is this going to make my business achieve the business, the, the goals that I have in a faster, easier uh, way, right? So I think that that is one critical point. And the other one is in also understanding that Sometimes people are need to need a little bit of time to kind of like get over that by themselves, and through education, through great examples of, for example, how other customers in their same industry have done it, other peers in the same function have done it, the type of return on investment that they have seen, and 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 the type of impact that these technologies can have and make it as tangible as possible. That's I would say the the best way how we try to get the naysayers on board, right? I love that. Great answer, by the way. So okay. let me ask something really, really kind of nuanced and specific. It's it's around COVID uh, and it's it's the communication. So one of the things we got forced mm-hmm. into March 13th of last year in the States is, okay, everybody's working from home. Uh, no. <laughs> everybody go home. <laughs> uh, yeah. And oh, by the way, good luck. Uh, and yeah. some companies thrived. Uh, you know, because they already had some communication platforms, they're already operating on you know, Slack or, you know, Monday and Zoom and all these other things. And so they already kind of, okay, yeah, well, you know, move, business moved on. But, but as you, as, as we're talking about transformation and, and the front line, what, what have you seen in terms of how they've grown and how they've dealt with COVID related communications and also uh, something again more nuanced is you know uh, vaccine kind of you know initiatives if you will how they've how they've dealt with that as well mm-hmm. uh, again very nuanced and very very much uh, frontline um, so what have you seen so far with both those yes a- a- excellent uh, question and I think you touched on a topic that 
also highlights the difference between the desktop counterparts, right? Like we all go work from home, we have Zoom, we have our laptops, we can just continue working. It's all in the cloud, so not a problem, right? But with frontline workers, it's different. The work needs to happen on site or it doesn't happen, right? You need to drive a truck, you need to fill up a shelf, you need to clean up a room. And that by definition needs to happen uh, physically. So the type of um, communication cases that we have seen during the pandemic went very much from just keeping everybody, I would say, uh, on the same page. I would say during the pandemic with so much uncertainty, things changing from week to week and so on, in these uncertain times, communication is probably one of the best skills against it so that leaders are really communicating really out there and in front of their frontline workers. And alone, creating that digital channel to send information in a quick, fast way on how are we doing? How is the business progressing on this? What are the leaders thinking about it? What are the new measures that we're adopting? And so on. That has helped uh, alone navigate the, the pandemic in a much better way than not having it. So we had customers from food manufacturing plants that had COVID outbreaks and had to send everybody home for a couple of weeks and completely would have lost contact with them if it wasn't for technologies like Beekeeper that can create that digital channel and at all be able to, to have some sort of communication, right? And that is only communicating what is going on, but that's only the start because also uh, the type of communication cases we have seen is around education and awareness campaigns that can cover multiple languages. Also the frontline workers by nature, one of the big particularities is that it's a very rich and diverse workforce where you will find at least five, six, seven uh, main languages that you need somehow to cover to make sure that the information is getting across well. So technology can be super helpful here to, to make sure that that happens, right? And then from there, it goes in the direction also of requesting protective equipment, making pre-shift symptom checks, having FAQ chatbots answering the most uh, asked questions around COVID guidelines, COVID questions and so on. So technology can really ease and bridge this gap of communication in such a, a critical moment like a pandemic. Mm -hmm. I love it. Great, great answer again. Uh, just a couple more things. Final, final advice, you know, again, for leaders uh, that are dealing with digital transformation with the front line, it's what would you part if you could, if you only had one, one or two things that you could say to leaders what would you tell them if they're if they're contemplating? And I mean, this is the highest level, the board, C-suite. Yeah. They're really contemplating this, this shift of a business model of, of really kind of moving from, you know, let's say a, mm -hmm. a paper base to, to digital, yeah. just make it easy. What are those maybe one or two things you do to, to really, really help them? I would say the number one thing is to realize that investments in frontline technology are directly creating a competitive advantage for your business. I think that's the, the number one thing, especially at the C-suite level, board level. One thing to keep in mind is this is an investment in a strategic uh, competitive advantage for your business that will not only help you navigate out of this pandemic, but for sure 
come out even stronger and faster. So that I would say that that's the, the first one. The second one is to not hesitate to go paperless. I think the, the, if there is a moment to go paperless, this is the time to this do it. Yeah. So, so go for it. And, and one can do it in a sequential manner, but there is so much paper around from checklists, work instructions, work orders, standard operating procedures, all of those things that hold businesses back is where we see the big potential for creating a good and strong competitive advantage for the future. Well, we've always scratched the search of service or, or just peeled a little, couple of layers of the onion. We're going to have to dig into this a little deeper the next time. Uh, Chris, mm-hmm. again, great topic in digital transformation and the reemergence of the frontline workforce. Uh, two last things. Uh, Beekeeper, the URL for you is? www.beekeeper.io. Okay, .io. Mm-hmm. And if folks want to look up your book, uh, where can they find that? They can find it directly on Amazon. It's uh, available as paperback or as a Kindle version. If you want a free copy from it, you can also write me. My email address is chris at beekeeper.io. Awesome. Send me an email and I'll send you a free copy. Ah, see? That's what you get. There you go. That, that's the reason. That's the reason we have the podcast. There Chris, you thank go. you so much. I know. I know you're busy. I appreciate your time and your wisdom. This is just a wonderful topic. Just thank you so much. Likewise, thank you so much, William, for this invitation. And, th- and thanks for everybody for listening to the Recruiting Daily podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruitingdaily.com.